This is a Soulfire production. I am talking about genuine peace, not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. You fool me, you can't get fooled again. I was a businessman doing business. By the military-industrial complex. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Yes, we can. Thank you. We as a people will get to the promised land. Oh, that new intro just hits different, doesn't it? That new intro just hits a little bit different. Some of our presidents and some other people that aren't presidents... Mixing it up, some great one-liners. Welcome back to Politically Homeless, everybody. I'm here with you today. Feeling the vibe, feeling the flow. Uh, the microdose of LSD is still going strong. So my brain is operating at about 140% capacity right now. Will it be a good thing? Will it be a bad thing? Who knows? We don't know yet. But we're talking about Hillary. We're talking about the Avengers. Uh, Ukraine, progressive news. <laughs> we're talking about drugs. And uh, we're talking about Kanye West. Kanye motherfucking West a little bit. I will say that uh, I'm going to be having a conversation tomorrow with everybody's favorite Amir Odom. Uh, He's going to be on the show tomorrow on thought criminals. And if you want access to that early, go ahead and join the Patreon early episodes of thought criminals and ad free episodes of this show right here. Politically homeless, patreon.com slash politically homeless join up at six bucks a month. It's also 15 bucks a month. It's whatever you want it to be in between those two. Uh, And it's a great time. Community's growing, feels good, feels strong. Every day, every week we do a topic request uh, podcast, so everybody throws me their topics, and I just go on little tangents, and I do a little research. It's like it's like you own a little piece of me, you know. It's like owning a little piece of my soul, uh, being in the Patreon, which is great. And the more people that are in there, the the better the conversation is. Sometimes those premium episodes go like a couple hours. <laughs> sometimes the thirty minutes are like the, they're the widest range of of length. Uh, sometimes they're half an hour. Sometimes they're two hours. It just depends on how how fiery everybody feels. But it's really fun in there because I don't have to. I I can't get. I know you guys can imagine that I self censor on the podcast, but I do. Uh, but not so much in the Patreon because it's behind the paywall. We're amongst friends, I'm like we're speaking amongst friends. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Get in there. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. I'm excited to talk to Amir because we have oh, how do we say this? This has been a tricky this this Kanye West thing has been a very tricky situation. It's been very tricky to navigate because you know, I just have, it, this gets me in trouble more often than not, but I have the like tendency to want to steel man everybody's arguments. I love arguing, right? And when you're somebody like me who loves to argue. And likes to just like take the contrarian position just for fun. Not that I believe it, right? I'm not like a a contrarian by nature, but I'll just take another opinion that I don't even care about or believe, just for the sake of like bolstering somebody else's argument, right? Giving them a hard time, and hopefully with the idea that they're going to have a better, stronger argument in the end, um, or they'll see the weaknesses in their own argument and maybe abandon it. Which is fun. You can do that for pro life, pro choice, all kinds of stuff. I mean, guns, pro guns, anti gun. You you just get there for Ukraine funding against it you can just if you play with these things in your head and if you get to the point where you can play with them in your head back and forth absent of someone else being being necessary for that kind of internal dialogue you can have a pretty robust kind of conversation with yourself while you're sitting in a sauna or working out or on a walk and just uh learn to steel man and straw man and do these different like all the things in between and kind of play different scenarios out in your head i feel like it's part of the you know i think that is critical thinking to be honest with you it's like really being able to take on different positions um and and bolster them up but anyways 
that being said, when you have that demeanor about you, that's not a very um, that's not a very well accepted way of being in today's world. I don't think that's controversial to say. Um, being able to do doing that online uh, invites attacks. It invites shadow bans, like I'm dealing with right now. Which is mine's shadow ban is just aggressive. Like they went hard with this one. Um, not really sure why they said something had to do with nudity. Don't know why that is. That has nothing to do with anything that I do, but okay. Um, so yeah, when I look at this whole thing and I'm thinking like, all right, Kanye West, like he's saying some pretty outrageous shit, some kind of scary things, some things that aren't true on the face. He also has valid reasons for reasons for feeling the way that he does. And he's saying some things that are unpopular, but also true. Like there's so many things in there. It reminds me of Alex Jones where it's like, there's a little bit of, there's like nuggets of truth in there, but you have to sift through a lot of like crazy screaming and yelling and, and incoherent rants. But I also have to accept the fact that like Kanye has seen more of like the dirty underbelly of society than I probably have. Right. Being in all these different, and I don't mean like the dirty underbelly of society, like, like, um, you know, like a, like a, like a crack alley somewhere. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the dirty underbelly of like the powerful, which is much to me, much darker and grimier and more complex. He's seen more of that than I have. Right. Without a doubt. Seen more of it than any of you have as well. I would, I would assume unless somebody, you know, Tom Hanks is listening to this podcast or something like that, which I don't assume that he is. Um, so there's something in there, right? So like listening and I got into like some, you know, arguments on Twitter today because I was feeling froggy this morning and just like saying, Hey, the dude, the dude has some valid points, which I knew would just piss people off. But then I get to like, Hey, did you actually listen to any of these full interviews or did you just listen to clips on on Twitter? Right. And it's like, well, most people, one person didn't. But most people would just listen to clips on Twitter, which is fine. I mean, this is the thing. Like, do I expect you to listen to six hours of content around Kanye West's meltdown? No, not really. But it's just a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to talk about. What I'm getting to is a tricky thing to talk about. We're gonna play some clips. You're probably gonna see elsewhere, which I think gets to what he's trying to say. Because when it is somebody like him, I'm trying to justify this because I know people will be upset with the way that I pr- approach this, and that's fine. Um, and I expect that with many things, Ukraine being one of them, I've, I've become hardened to it a little bit, but it's like, he's so passionate about what he's saying and he is a little bit manic, but that, that lots of people who had valid things to say, approach things in a very similar way. And it's like, well, maybe what, what's in there? What's really, and that's also thing I'm really curious about. It's like, what's driving this? What's driving this? Obviously, there's some pain there, right? Obviously, there's some pain there, but we'll figure that out. We'll get into it a little bit more uh, deeply. I wasn't really, I wasn't really um, expecting to talk about that in the intro, but yeah, we're gonna get into some of that. And then, uh, you know, it seems like people now it's like this, this, there's this push. <laughs> I, I don't think I've had a flu shot. I've never decided to get a flu shot. I don't think I've ever really. I don't even. I may have had one when I was a kid that I didn't choose to get, but got. Um, but it seems like that the COVID booster and like the flu shot are now going to be like a, a team up comedy. Like that's what they are now. A team up comedy. It's like the one and they're side by side. It's fucking Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell and the other guys just like completely ridiculous and ineffective. But hey, it is what it is. (laughs) That's fucking crazy, dude. Absolutely crazy. And one thing I wanted to do before we get into this, not an actual segment, but something that you've come to expect from me as I ramble on here. We're going to review House of the Dragon real quick. I finished it on Sunday. A couple days ago. Um, what an outstanding show. What a, House of the Dragon. Hot D, baby. House of the fucking Dragon. 
I needed this so bad. I needed this in my life so bad. And I didn't read the um, the Fire and Blood book, the history book. Uh, I didn't really want to know. I, I knew so much of what was supposed to happen in the original Game of Thrones series from reading the Fire and Ice books twice. Um, but I didn't want to do that with this one. And I started it, and I was like, yeah, I don't really want. No, I'm just gonna like let this. I'm gonna let the show be the show. And the show seemed to have actually updated and improved upon the source material, which is fantastic and clarified a bunch of things because. If you don't know this about House of the Dragon, it's based on Fire and Blood, which is a history book from this like in this fantasy world, which makes me a fucking nerd to know this, but it's a history book. So it's actually retelling of stories through history. So they embrace the fact in House of the Dragon that the, the maesters that would have put this history book together didn't get all the facts right. So there's a lot of little nuances that they wouldn't have had access to. They're just like passing down stories and, and putting them to text. So it's really cool, which is different than like you know, Game of Thrones, which was based on the, the Fire and Ice saga, that's not complete, where they have, like, actual source material to go from. Uh, many times in the Fire and Ice books, there's or in the um, uh, Fire and Blood books, uh, you have, like, multiple different accounts, right, that are different. And I think it's really interesting that they get to play with it this way. And the way they flushed it out was really, really cool. The dragons are badass. The dragons are way better in, 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 in House of the Dragon than they were in Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, they were, all the dragons were very similar looking and just kind of vaguely different colors. Um, but that's not how it was in the books. They were like distinctly different colors and dragons throughout time were shaped different and had different, like different ch- colors, different strengths, weaknesses. Like it was really more fantasy like where there's just kind of these, these, these magical fire breathing dragons that are now tamed by, um, people of the blood of old Valyria. Right. So fantastic show. I mean, that's the thing too. Like the, the, the source material changes made sense. There's some things I had some problems with, like, I've seen some criticism that there's a lot of the show, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but a lot of the show is moved forward by like misunderstandings and coincidences. But then again, I think about like how world wars can happen that shouldn't have happened over just misunderstandings and coincidences and like timing. So it's really crazy in this, in this whole situation to see it, but it's, they did a good job. And here's the thing I wanted to say about house of the dragon. As I kind of conclude on this, I'm not going to say too much, but one thing that I appreciate that they did is that when you think about the way the game of Thrones ended, and here's the thing, people are like, why do you care so much about game of Thrones? I invested a lot of my life into like watching this show, like being excited for this show, caring about what happens in the show. Like it was, it added a level of complexity. Like I watched Lord of the Rings after having watched Game of Thrones a few seasons, right? Like I think after like the second season of or third season of Game of Thrones, after the Red Wedding, probably I watched Lord of the Rings, like all of them. I'd seen, I think I'd seen one of them, but I watched them all like in two nights, like just like went through them, and they seemed so quaint and stupid to me. Like Lord, I just don't, to this day, I don't like Lord of the Rings. I think it's, I respect it objectively as like a great story. Um, and people seem to love it. And people that, you know, love this kind of fantasy stuff, like love that shit. But there was too much like it's good versus evil. And that's kind of what it, I don't have any interest in that. Right. And what Game of Thrones did was like kind of paint this picture in a much different way where it's, and there's, I think there's a trend in shows that like really hit move people that have that more like everyone is great. No one is pure good or evil. Right. Which I think resonates with society so much more. Like if you think about the wire, for example, a fucking epic show, another HBO show. It's like the cops aren't the good guys. The gangbangers aren't the bad guys. Like there's so much nuance within the whole situation that you get to now flush out and feel all of that and feel sympathy and frustration and all these things that are real world emotions. And game of Thrones brought that out in a, in a fantasy like show, which was insane. So you care a lot about it. And then Dan and Dave, the showrunners of that show, which are, 
It's, it's, it's their fault, and it's George R. R. Martin's fault, the author of the books. He didn't finish the books in time. They ran out of source material, and those guys can't write original shit. So it went from a very slow story that was mostly about like scheming and plotting and all kinds of things, and it turned into like a, a fucking Michael Bay movie with teleportation. Like it was it made no sense, and they fucked us, right? And what they did with House of the Dragon that I really appreciate is they came out, they came out and said, "We owe you guys one." We owe you a fucking story that you can get behind, that you can care about, that you can get invested in, that you can get excited for, and we're not going to fuck you. Because Dan and Dave, they fucked you. Okay, They were like, oh, we want to go make Star Wars movies now. So we're going to get that Disney money. So let's just wrap this thing up real quick. And just completely abandoned character development, writing, dialogue, in, the mo- in a dialogue-heavy show. Like the, the whole fucking show is just people standing in dark rooms lit by f- you know fire and Talking about scheming <laughs> and the balances of on every now and then to be a fucking dope fight scene. That was it. And then they turned it into fucking Ninja Turtles. It was the craziest thing ever. It made no, it was, it was awful. It, it, and it was so frustrating and depressing. Like you guys fucked us, man. Like you, there's a contract when you make a show like that, that people like a, this, these incredible shows like that. You just can't fuck us with it. You know, like sometimes the ending I understand is going to be underwhelming. And that's okay. There's a lot to deliver on. But at the same time, like you got to at least seem like you fucking cared. And so with House of the Dragon, I'm seeing them coming back saying, hey, we owed you guys one. And here it is. House of the fucking Dragon. And it's going to be dark and heavy. And we're going to show some super uncomfortable things. And you're going to feel something watching the show. You're going to pick a side. You're going to see the good and the bad in both sides. And that's going to develop more over time. Because now, right now, right now, you're with the blacks, aren't you? If you're watching the show, you're with the blacks. You like Rhaenyra, right? You like her. You think she has, that's who the king wanted. She's been, you know, even though she's done some things that were kind of fucked up, you still, you're, you're sympathizing with her. You know what happens in Game of Thrones when they do that to somebody? I haven't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to spoil anything. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I've, I've, I've shielded myself from it. I might read the book now, but I don't know. But when you start to be on somebody's team in House of the Dragon, Expect the rug to be pulled out from underneath you. You can't watch the show that way. That's not how it's meant to be watched. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it what it is. So right now you're on team Renice, Rhaenyra. You know, her sons are better. One of them just died. And then you have the Greens, the Hightower boys who are all fucking assholes, except for one of them who I haven't even seen yet. And you can start rooting for somebody, but that's not the way the world works, and that sure as fuck isn't the way that the mythical realm of Westeros works. And that's why it matters. <laughs> that's why it matters is because it's a reflection of the crazy shit in our own world that's dark and the people in power. Here's one thing we're trying to see through all of the books and the shows, more so in the books, is that these games, these high-level games, these, poli- these, these, these political games of the monarchy, no one really gives a fuck about the peasants, the plebs, Right? Renice can bust out of the floor of the fucking dragon pit and kill t- dozens of people, right? And then as she's looking at the royal family and she has the chance to set them all on fire with dragon fire, end them all, turn them all into charcoal, she flies away because she's benevolent and peaceful. She just smashed like 60 fucking people with her dragon, right? But she's, she's, but she is, uh, She's a benevolent leader. She's a, she's a, she's she's peaceful and tranquil, and she's she's uh, gracious and compassionate. And that's the thing. That's the juxtaposition, which is really interesting to look at. But anyways, that's enough of me rambling here. 
House of the Dragon, highly recommend it. Two thumbs up. Shit gets weird. Now let's get into the state of things, baby. It's time. Let's go. So this came up. This came up uh, just now, right before I did this, I saw this little video and I don't know what to think about it. You know, you guys know I hate Hill Dog. I can't, you know, I cannot wait for there to be a female president, a woman president of any color. I'm really excited about that. But this woman right here, mm, I can't do it. I can't do it. She's a war criminal. She's a thunder cunt. And I feel bad. See, I try not to do the name calling thing on the show. I'm trying to really take myself a little bit more seriously. I know that maybe, you know, maybe some people like that. Maybe some people don't. But I cannot stand this woman. Like it's just, she's done so much damage, so much damage to our country, the faith and institutions. It's just, it's awful. And Josh, I know you're out there listening right now, our video guy. I want you to use, for the thumbnail of this video for Instagram and YouTube, I want you to use a big picture of this this face right here. You can leave this in the actual video right now because we're, we're, this is how the sausage is made. This silly, scared like, look at that face. She looks terrified of the camera right here. And you're just like, that's, I feel like that's that's how Hillary Clinton should look all the time in a, in a perfect world where she's getting what she deserves. Let's send her to Guantanamo Bay. That's what I want to see is Hillary looking like this, strapped to a chair in Guantanamo Bay. That would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Now let's hear what the almost president of the United States has to say from the Indivisible Guide, doing a little collab Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. Oh, no. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. (laughs) I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead (laughs) because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And okay, not- let's stop there. Let's stop there real quick. Okay, so one thing, here's the thing, like, I didn't know that I defended Hillary, right? Um, Al Gore actually has probably the most credible threat of like a stolen election in our lifetimes, like, from what I can see. Um, and here's the thing about Trump, right? Like, if you can't understand how Trump lost, because yeah, he, his, vote, his, his fan base was very motivated. But the, the people that were so over his bullshit were were equally as motivated, and there was more of them. That's how he lost, right? That's a reason that no one was at a Biden rally. No one gives a shit about Joe Biden, right? I voted for that fucking weirdo, and I, like, you know, wouldn't go to see him if it was down the road. Nobody would. But Trump blew it so bad. He embarrassed himself so bad. And if you want any clarity on why I voted for Biden, I've talked about it numerous times in this podcast. Go back and you'll figure it out. I have my reasons. But one of the things he did before he was going to lose was he said, if we lose, it was fraud, illegitimate. It's not going to happen. If we lose, it was fraud. If we win, it wasn't fraud. It's like, okay, so you set the stage here. And now uh, Charlie Kirk was even doing this on Twitter the other day with some other election, right? It's like he's already got these. Like, if there's not a red tsunami, it was voter fraud. You're priming an audience. Right, that is hearing what they already want to hear. 
right? Hillary Clinton and Charlie Kirk are very similar as far as like the, 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 the niche people that are actually listening to them. Those people don't overlap whatsoever, but they, their, their niches, the tightness of their niches is very, very similar, right? So they're already priming their audience for claims of stolen election, voter fraud, all that shit, which is disgusting, right? And that's one thing about both of these people, people like Trump, Hillary, Charlie Kirk, right? It's not about the health of our country. It's not about the health of democracy. Charlie Kirk, does, Charlie Kirk doesn't even believe in democracy. He thinks we should have some kind of like weird Christian nationalist dictatorship thing. But it's not about that. It's about them. You know, I was even having this discussion with my mom today when I was driving her to the airport. It's like Trump blew it because it was about Trump. And the same thing. Hillary's making, she makes this about her being a victim, the Democrats being victimized. And that's, it's like, dude, could you not even wrap, if you can't see why you would lose right now, like same thing with Trump. If you couldn't see, if Trump couldn't see, and you don't, as a Trump supporter, can't see how Trump could have lost that election. You're delusional, right? And if you as a Hillary Clinton supporter or one of the people that would watch this videos and actually think, take it seriously, if you can't see how the Democrats would get absolutely blown out and then in 2022 and 2024, then you're fucking delusional, man. I've got to tell you that. And this isn't me trying to be a dick. It's me like, hey, you need to get some help. Like the first thing you need to do is acknowledge there's a problem. If you can't see how Trump lost, you need help. If you can't see how Democrats will lose in 2024 and 2022, right? A red wave is a coming. If you can't see how that would happen legitimately through democracy, well, then... You're delusional, right? This is the, the the guy Max Boot on Twitter. He always posts this crazy stuff. He's like, a, he has a Ukraine flag, the whole thing. And it's, he's like, he was like, if the Democrat, if the Republicans win the House and the Senate, then democracy is dead. It's like you can't. Is democracy going to kill democracy? Like that doesn't make any sense, dude. Like that's they. If your party was, should, they, should your party just be have a supermajority all the time? Like it makes no sense. And you're seeing that line of thought, which is just broken. It's a broken way to think. It's a broken way to live. But let's continue here and see what else she has to say. I'm making a secret of it. Let's back up just a bit. I'm making a secret of it. Presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule. So she's now she's undermining the Supreme Court, which is supposed to be a nonpartisan group. Now, that's been fucked for a while now. But, again, that's another institution that does not agree with Hillary Clinton. So now it must be undermined. You see what I'm saying? And then now, now if it was a super, you know, neoliberal, because they would make the, when it comes to big business and that kind of stuff, they would all decide the same. But if it was a more neoliberal Supreme Court and then a Republican criticized the legitimacy of the court, well, then that would be treason, right? So you see how this hypocrisy here, that's what we do here is we call it hypocrisy. We see it all the time. We're calling it out and it's all over the place. That's why I have a trouble making friends. <laughs> you never know where I'm going to go with this shit. On giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican-controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. 
indivisible has long you cannot call everything a threat to democracy and then expect to be taken seriously and that's the thing like what she's saying right now could be 100% true there could be a situation where state legislators that are that are conservative would not allow for election results they didn't like to be moved on and then call it fraud. It would be a whole thing. And that's very likely to happen. I'm not saying that, that, that that's very possible. Like you've got some kooky motherfuckers in state legislatures, right? And the whole, like they could send over their electors. It could be a whole thing. And I'm really curious about the, all that, all the ins and outs of that and the details of that. I really am. I'd love to have that conversation with you guys, right? That being said, you can't call every fucking thing a threat to democracy and expect to be taken seriously. You feel me? Like it's, how many, times, how many things has Hillary Clinton and people like her, whether it's Rachel Maddow, uh, Nicole Wallace, uh, I'm just calling women here, Chris Hayes, you know, we can keep going, right? People on MSNBC, mostly. How many things have they called a threat to democracy, right? When in reality, when in reality, Hillary, you wouldn't have even been the fucking candidate in 2016 if you believed in democracy with your silly ass uh, superdelegates. I don't remember what the delegate count was before voting even started in the primary, but it was like, what, like 300 to zero, you versus Bernie. So if you believed in democracy, Hillary Clinton, you hypocritical woman, lady woman, uh, then you wouldn't have been the candidate in 2016. And you know who probably would have won? Bernie Sanders. But you preferred Trump over Bernie Sanders. That's the fucking truth. And you don't prefer democracy. You, you prefer control. Like, let's just be very real about what this is. And you've cried wolf enough times where no one's going to hear this. You're also lost because you're one of the least popular people in American politics. You're one of the most hated people that you could lose to a game show host, lady. Or a reality TV show host, whatever it was. It's, it's embarrassing. And you keep coming out here like people give a fuck. And no one does, man. No one does. So it's, it's interesting to see this. Like the, 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 again, the hypocrisy is what we're here to call out. And it exists all over the place. Now, I'm a fan of democracy, right? So I can sit here and say that's not democratic on the left, on the right, whatever. It doesn't matter. When democracy is being circumvented, you can find me there, calling it what it is. And Hillary Clinton is not a fan or supporter of democracy. Fact. Yes or yes. Launched. Crush the coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024. They've put together a list of critical races in six key states and how you can get involved. Will you support Crush the Coup by donating to indivisible this script and is so state bad. legislature candidates? Each of these races is highly competitive, and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. <laughs> This could not be more important uh, or more urgent. It sounded urgent. It sounded so urgent, Hillary, that you couldn't even take the time to memorize your script. You know, and here's the thing about that, too. I haven't had a script this whole time. Literally, my notes for this say it, are the, it says Hillary. and It says the link to this Twitter right here. That's it. That's my only notes because I'm operating from a place of giving a fuck. I'm operating from a place of principles, Right. I know what I care about. I can pull this stuff right out of my ass. I know that you're not a, you don't love democracy. That's very clear to all of us, right? <laughs> it's not that hard. But when you don't actually give a shit about people 
or policy or anything besides control and your own self-interest, then you have to read off a teleprompter and you don't even give a shit enough to read through it a couple times to make it seem like you're enthused. It looks like a goddamn hostage tape. So that's Hill Dog, everybody. Uh, Making news, I guess, or something. But I thought it was, you know, at least kind of noteworthy to see her face out on the internet again. So one thing you'll hear me talk a lot about, and the, the frust- one of the frustrations I have, one of the biggest frustrations I have about just America in general, uh, is our healthcare system. <laughs> no surprise, right? And there's a lot of things that go into that, where our food comes from, how our food is sourced, how it's grown, how it's harvested, um, how it lives, if it's, if it's meat-based. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about these kind of things, that, that all goes together, right? And then on top of that, you have a, an industry that, that, is, that is keeping you sick for profits, in my opinion. Right, in my opinion, when there's, those industries have been sued numerous times. They're actually some of the you know they paid out some of the biggest fines in history ever, except for Alex Jones. Apparently, owns like owes like two point seven trillion dollars or something like crazy to these fucking people. It's like, the funny thing about the Alex Jones stuff isn't that he has to pay a lot of money or that he's going to be bankrupt over this. It's that uh, Jeffrey Epstein's victims couldn't get a piece of his estate. That's funny. I think the the, the sale of the island that should probably go to the victims of Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know where that's actually going to end up going. But you would think that it would be split up evenly and his whole entire state would uh, 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 to the credible victims of Jeffrey Epstein. But uh, no, that's not how that worked. And uh, uh, But yeah, Alex Jones got to pay people like a billion dollars. Now they want $2.73 trillion. It's like getting comical. Anyways, but I got the frustration with this. And one of the things that I'm really frustrated about when it comes to the American healthcare system is the commercialization of quote-unquote medicine. Right, so we have a profit incentive in everything that exists. Now, libertarians will say this is the best thing that's ever happened, and this is one of the things we fundamentally disagree on. Um, you know, uh, uh, more of a Bernie Sandersy type person will say this all should be taken care of by the government, so that it takes away the profit incentive. There's also holes in that. There's pros and cons to both to both approach. Uh, that's not what we're here to discuss. I think we can all agree that it, it, there was a bill, right, that was drafted. It said, "Hey, no more." Pharmaceutical ads on TV, right? You get that shit from your doctor. America is the only place that really does it. New Zealand has it as well, but America is the only place that does it the way we do it. They have a little bit more. I think they have more uh, regulation of the way that's done. It's fucking disgusting, right? But then again, what is it like 75% of ads on TV are backed by Big Pharma? So you're talking about a lot of industries relying on that, right? You have the pharmaceutical industry, which is relies on our disgusting food system, to create sick people, right? You have a for-profit healthcare system that relies on said sick people to then make its money because a profit incentive, fat, sick people are profitable, right? They're more profitable. I haven't been to a doctor and I don't know when. Doctors aren't making any money off of me, right? I've been to a surgeon, but that's different. (laughs) I didn't get surgery, but I went to a surgeon. Um, But you look at this thing, it's like that's that's what we have to deal with, right? So it's, it's not... If you just follow the money, follow the incentives, you can see how it's a it's a it's a completely systemic issue. Now, when you think about advertising, it's like one thing to advertise on Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, who are all controlled by pharma, because that's where their ad revenue comes from. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing if you have Chuck E. Cheese brought to you by Pfizer, right? Brought to you by Moderna, 
right? That's a different thing. That's a different feeling, right? Doesn't, doesn't that feel a little bit different? So with that, all that being said, check this shit out. Marvel and Pfizer team up for COVID-19 vaccine advocacy comic starring the Avengers. Marvel and Pfizer team up for a COVID-19 vaccine advocacy comic starring the Avengers. Now, we all know that Tony Stark has a heart condition. Is it myocarditis? Is it not? Is it caused by the vaccine? We don't know. But when we look at this whole thing, it's just, just disgusting beyond belief. Like the fact that Disney would even think this is a good idea, right? That even that this, like at this point, right? When, when, when we know what we know. When most people didn't get their kids vaccinated because it's a terrible idea and this thing did not impact children in the same way, unless they were already very sick, which in that case, make decisions. If you're, disclaimer, make just whatever decisions you think are best for your children. Now I'm going to speak freely. Kids weren't impacted by this. Like the idea that you're going to give kids a, a, a medical treatment to protect adults is, is disgusting and criminal. Like it's so, it's so bad. And then on top of that, not that that's endorsed by Fauci and these other like talking mouthpieces for fucking big pharma, right? The people who, 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 who developed the gain of function research that then led to this thing, allegedly, potentially, possibly, who knows? Um, wink, wink. Uh, now we've got the Avengers advocating for children to get vaccines. This is a, as disgusting as cigarette ads targeted at children. Like, it's one thing to put ads out there. It's one thing to make some money. It is a totally separate thing to cartoonize medical treatments and serve them up to fucking children, man. I can't imagine, even somebody who's pro-vaccine can't think this is appropriate, cannot think this is appropriate. I mean, I'm just, I'm beyond disgusted, and I'm, and I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And, and it's just, it's just gross. So let's read through this. In Marvel's latest corporate promotional collaboration, Pfizer has commissioned the comic book publisher to publish a pro-COVID-19 vaccination advocacy story where the Avengers' efforts to save the world from one of their arch foes are equated to individuals keeping up to date with their shots and boosters. Okay. You're among everyday heroes. Uh, Let's see. It says uh, they know what to do to defend against COVID-19. Vaccinate. Together, we can help protect ourselves from COVID-19. Communicate. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about the latest development in COVID-19 vaccinations, which if you have to get them all the time, they're not fucking vaccinations, guys. Why are we using that word? Let's be real here. COVID-19 is unpredictable. Continue to take action against COVID-19 as it evolves. Continue to pay us. By the way, I don't remember the exact numbers. We'll pull this up on the screen for the video version, but Pfizer just decided to increase the price of the COVID-19 vaccine as it goes to public markets. So you can get yours. And their profit margins are insane. Insane. Crazy. I'm sure what the, I'm crazy with it. I'm sure what, I'm sure we'll see what insurance covers and what interest in a paying, what your first, what your out of pocket podcasts are. The whole thing will be a fucking giant scam, which has been this entire time, this entire time. And all with all the, uh, you know, the fucking captain America liability shield. That's what this is. Don't worry, don't worry, Big Pharma. You've got Captain's America, Captain America's liability shield. That's that's what you need. Yeah, fantastic. 
Um, let's continue here. Let's see. When Ultron wreaks havoc, the Avengers act as the first line of defense. People can help protect themselves by staying up to date with COVID-19 vaccinations. Again, this is the word vaccination. You keep using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Head on to Pfizer.com, blah, 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 to get a first look at Pfizer and BioNTech and Marvel's comic book, The Avengers, Everyday Heroes. You got uh, Iron Man here, Thor, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man. Oh, good. Paul Rudd's involved. Uh, is that Scarlet Witch probably? Yeah. Fantastic. Good stuff. And then some just normal, everyday-ass people down here. This is fantastic. So we go, we, we, we continue here. We'll, just, we'll give away the plot. Spoiler alert. We're going to get into this. We've got a bunch of folks sitting around, and I read through this earlier, in a uh, doctor's office. And oh my God, Ultron's back. Oh my God, Ultron from the Avengers Age of Ultron is back. And he's changed. He's evolved. He is a different variant, if you can, <laughs> if you can believe that. <laughs> Oh, and they say, oh, my God, he's only like six blocks away. The Avengers will save us, right, as we continue here. <laughs> so the premise behind this whole thing is that the Avengers are the vaccine, right? So hear this out. Hear me out here. i got to zoom in here. Ultron keeps coming back and keeps changing and evolving. So the Avengers keep adapting and re-strategizing, and they knock him back again and again. The first time Ultron showed up, we had never seen anything like him before. That's the COVID alpha variant. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't mention here, Grandpa doesn't mention here that uh, whenever the variants increase, they become less deadly and more contagious. That's how coronaviruses work, right? So this guy is a science denier, but he's very excited about the Avengers slash vaccine and how it's going to keep evolving as Ultron <laughs> evolves. <laughs> as we go down here, um, oh man. They use their combined strength to defend us. Da, 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 da. And I love this one part down here I really wanted to see. A massive development to share as the Avengers have turned the tide on the battle using some sort of ionized energy cannon causing Ultron to flee the scene. Their ionized energy cannon is uh, mRNA technology. Um, ionized energy cannon. And the kid says, as long as it works. <laughs> Are there consequences of the ionized energy cannon? Did they blow a hole in the atmosphere? No, who knows? Who cares? As long as it works. <laughs> and this little girl's going, ionized energy cannon, mRNA technology. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Good times. Let me have it at the end. It says, um, it says the Avengers are doing their part to, to help keep us safe, and now it's time for us to do ours by staying up to date with COVID-19 vaccinations. And here they are. With their little band-aids on at the Avengers. You know, I think if you want to take this approach, right? If you want to take this approach to 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 marketing to children, um, the way you'd go about doing that, maybe you should go with the boys. Right? Maybe Billy Butcher should be the one selling your vaccines. Right? And you could because we already have it in the boys. You have compound V. Experimental drug causes intense side effects. <laughs> That's what we need. We need Billy Butcher and the boys selling the vaccinations. That's actually more accurate, right? Bleeding from your ear, heart palpitations, potential death. That's more, you know, compound V, V24. It's fantastic. It's good stuff. If you put that out there, then at least you're being relatively honest as you try to market to children. But this is disgusting, guys. I don't know what to tell you. I, I saw this and it just... 
it, it like makes my skin crawl for one and just frustrates the shit right out of me. Ugh. Marvel and Pfizer team up for COVID-19 vaccine advocacy comic starring the Avengers. How they thought this was a good idea, I have no idea. But it's it's gross. And this is this is just the I guess it's just our reality. Now I don't know. It's like Marvel Phase 4 was the worst thing ever, and Marvel Phase 5 didn't seem any better. And it's like this, and you're going to add this in there too. It's like this is, this is probably better than Doctor Strange Multiverse of Badness. I can say that. It has a better narrative structure than that fucking garbage dump. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Welcome to the world that we have decided is good because capitalism is awesome and we should all cuck to it at all costs. Well, we've been looking for an anti-war faction within our government for some time now, right? Somehow conservatives have, or some conservatives have ended up uh, piping up. And some of the craziest ones, by the way, which don't help the cause, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, you guys could like Matt Gates, like y'all aren't really helping anything by having opinions or speaking up really ever. Uh, you don't even help the Republicans or conservatives in general. Um, you definitely don't help the anti-war effort because now – if anybody who wants to say, hey, like, let's rethink this Ukraine thing gets lumped in with you guys, which makes them look like a fucking kook because you can't behave yourselves like adults. Anyways, we've been looking for this anti-war faction for a minute. Um, and we thought we had it. Maybe we had it. These The, the Progressive Caucus. Oh, my God. Maybe progressives are going to actually be anti-war for five fucking minutes. So they sent, uh, they sent this over to Joe Biden. This is this beautiful little piece of uh, piece of work here. It says, Dear Mr. President, we write with appreciation for your commitment to Ukraine's legitimate struggle against Russia's war of aggression. Your support for the self-defense of an independent, sovereign, and democratic state has been supported by Congress, including through various appropriations of military, economic, and humanitarian aid in furtherance of this cause. Your administration's policy was critical to enable the Ukrainian people through their courageous fighting and heroic sacrifices to deal with a historic military defeat to deal a historic military defeat to Russia, forcing Russia to dramatically scale back its stated goals for the invasion. I'm not sure that's 100% true, but we'll just go with that. Crucially, you have, you have achieved this while also maintaining that it is imperative to avoid direct military conflict with Russia, which would lead to World War III, something we must strive to prevent. Oh, really? That's the, that, that right there is um, absolutely criminal. Even to even suggest that World War Three is something we should we should uh, we should we should avoid makes you a Putin apologist, a pro-Russian propagandist, uh, a tool of the Kremlin. The risk of nuclear weapons being used has been estimated to be higher now than any time since the great since the height of the Cold War. Given the catastrophic possibilities of nuclear escalation and miscalculation, which only increase the longer this war continues, we agree with your goal of avoiding direct military contract as an overriding national security priority. Given the destruction created by this war, if Ukraine and uh, for Ukraine and the world, as well as the risk of catastrophic escalation, we also believe it is in the interest of Ukraine, the United States, and the world to avoid a prolonged conflict. For this reason, we urge you to pair the military and economic support the United States has provided to Ukraine with a proactive diplomatic push, redoubling efforts to seek a realistic framework for a ceasefire. This is consistent with your recognition that there is going to have to be a negotiated settlement here, and your concern that Vladimir Putin doesn't have a way out right now, and I'm trying to figure out what we can do about that. That's a quote from the president. Kind of. <laughs> we are under no illusions regarding the difficulties involved in engaging Russia, given its outrageous and illegal invasion of Ukraine, and its decision to make uh, additional legal annexations of Ukrainian territory. However, 
If there is a way to end the war while preserving a free and independent Ukraine, it is America's responsibility to pursue every diplomatic avenue to support such a solution that is acceptable to the people of Ukraine. Such a framework would presumably include incentives and hostilities including some of some form of sanctions relief and bring together the international community to establish security guarantees for a free and independent Ukraine that are acceptable for all parties, particularly Ukrainians. The alternative to diplomacy is protracted war with both its attendant certainties and catastrophic and unknowable risk. Centennial? I don't know what that word is. But anyway, so what they're saying here, and this goes on and on, they keep saying more and more of the same thing. People have died. Things are going on. It's a very, like, this is a very, like, they, they're sitting here, and they're, like, they're like stroking Joe Biden's ego, right? Like, you've done a great job. You've done a great job so far. We agree with you so far. But, hey, maybe, like, hey, maybe, hey, maybe just for a minute, just for a minute, can we think about diplomacy? Can we kind of think about diplomacy for just a minute? I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy, but maybe just for a hot second, let's entertain the idea of not blowing up the entire fucking planet over the Donbass region, right? I get it. I love that you, we love what you've done so far with the place, but hey, there's a few little adjustments we can make and pushing for diplomacy and like maybe getting to the negotiating table because the longer this thing escalates and this becomes a, a, a forever invasion, right? An occupation, the, the higher the risk of nuclear war are. Worth noting, there have been a handful of times where we almost accidentally got ourselves in a nuclear war. A submarine, a bear one time climbed a fence and set off a sensor and somebody hit the wrong button and almost launched a fucking nuke into Russia over a fucking black bear who got over a fence. I mean, it's crazy, right? The, what, what, what Alan Dulles and his whole crew at the CIA wanted to do in Cuba, thinking that they didn't have nuclear warheads yet when they did have nuclear warheads, that would have started a nuclear war. Cold War was a crazy time. The Cuban Missile Crisis was a crazy time. And we're back in it right now. This is as dangerous of a time as now. So maybe we should consider diplomacy because maybe the Donbass region of fucking Ukraine isn't worth World War III. That doesn't seem that controversial. Maybe we should have a little bit of oversight with what we spend over there, what weapons are going over there. Maybe a little bit of oversight. Still give them to them. Still give them the money. Still give them the weapons. A little bit of oversight. Maybe... We try to push some diplomacy here, right? Maybe there's a solution here that we don't need pre-qualifiers. Maybe Zelensky, who, whose country only exists because America is propping it up right now, right? Because if we didn't, then it would just be gone, right? So America's propping you up right now. Maybe you don't get to make all the decisions. Maybe you get to make decisions based on what we say you're allowed to do, right? Or we could just quit funding you forever, right? That's what puppets do. So puppet, puppet, right? That's how this is going. But no, this created outrage, right? This was released, this is the 25th, it was on the 24th, October 24th, 2022. On the 25th, the Progressive Trademark Caucus just withdrew their bullshit letter, which was already meaningless in the first place. What a pathetic farce. Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair Statement on Ukraine Letter. Now let's see, who, 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 uh, who signed this thing? Let's see, go back, AOC, Pramia Jayapal, she's a joke. Rokana, yeah, so let's go back here. Um, the, <laughs> Representative Premier Jayapal, chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, issued the following statement on a letter sent regarding Ukraine. The Congressional Progressive Caucus hereby withdraws its recent letter to the White House regarding Ukraine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> These fucking cowards! 
You're cowards. You went in with softballs. You went in saying, hey, please, mister, please, can we have a little diplomacy, please? No? Okay, fine. I forget that I ever asked. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's not what anti-war people do. Oh, the letter was drafted several months ago, but unfortunately was was released released by staff without vetting. Are you fucking serious? How could you have vetted that to make it any more weak? It was a nothing burger to begin with. Add zero teeth and you have zero balls. What are you going to do? You're going to vet it and make it a little bit softer? Right? You want to draw nice pictures on it? Hearts and rainbows? What the fuck? As chair of the caucus, I accept responsibility for this. Well, I'm glad we know who to blame then. Because of the timing, our message has been conflated by some as being equivalent to the recent statements by Republican leader McCarthy threatening to end the aid to Ukraine if Republicans take over. Which is why a lot of people are voting for them, by the way. It's a secret. It's a secret now, but a lot of people don't want to spend billions and billions of dollars in fucking Ukraine over the goddamn Donbass region. I know that's hard for you to understand, but it's true. The proximity of these statements created the unfortunate appearance that Democrats who have strongly and unanimously unanimously supported and voted for every package of military, strategic, and economic assistance to Ukraine. (laughs) Let's listen to what this broad is fucking bragging about. The proximity, God forbid we agree with Republicans on anything, even though it's like the most popular thing in the fucking American population because democracy, right? The proximity of these statements created the unfortunate appearance appearance that Democrats who have strongly and unanimously supported war and voted for every package of military, strategic, and economic assistance to the Ukrainian people are somehow aligned with Republicans who seek to pull the plug on American support for President Zelensky and the Ukrainian forces. You have the... Fucking progressive caucus bragging about supporting war. Oh my God. The progressive caucus in the United States Congress, chaired by Pramia Jayapal, is proud of her support for war and ashamed of her request for diplomacy. What fucking world? Are we living in? What in the fuck is this, dude? How does this make any sense? This is an episode of Black Mirror. We're living in an episode of Black Mirror right now. Oh my God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every war ends with diplomacy. What? That You just, you just forgot that reality fucking exists, right? Every war ends with diplomacy, and this one will too. After a Ukrainian victory, that's not diplomacy. That's a fucking fantasy world you're living in. The Donbass is gone. Crimea is gone. Put the rest of Ukraine in the EU and let it fucking go. It's over with. It's where we're going. It's where we've been going. How many people need to die before you get there? And that's, to be honest with you, Pramia Jayapal, as if you can't see what's right in front of your fucking face, right? As if you can't see that, that's the best case scenario. The best case scenario for Ukraine and the rest of the world is that the Donbass region is gone and Crimea is gone. It's Russia now. It's over. And the rest of Ukraine gets to go be in the EU, maybe join NATO, whatever, right? But that shit, gone. That's the best case scenario. 
You know what the worst case scenario is? Pramia Jayapal, you pro-war bitch. The, the, the worst case scenario is fucking mushroom clouds. Mushroom clouds. Your district in New York, gone. No longer exists. Poof. Snapped by fucking Thanos. Gone. That's the worst case scenario. But you're so scared to align with Mitch McConnell, which I get it, man. I had to vote for Republican, a, Repu- a couple of Republicans on the, on the ballot just the other day. I don't like doing it. I don't love doing it. It's not fun for me. But you're so scared of aligning with Republicans on something and Twitter bots calling you names with fucking 17 Ukrainian flags in their bio, which are clearly not real fucking people. Let's just be honest about that. You're so scared of that that you're willing to support more war. You're willing to push us through. Everything you said that letter was very soft but also accurate about the threats that could be possible in this reality. But instead of having principles and courage, which is what I'm assuming people voted for you pretending you would do. It's kind of like AOC has become a nothing burger too. But seems to have run on something, right? (sighs) The letter sent yesterday, although restraining that basic principle, has been conflated with GOP opposition to support for the uh, Ukrainians' just defense of their sovereignty. As such, it is a distraction at this time, and we withdraw the letter. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, man. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Wow. I mean, this is just, it just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem real at all. I, it's just, I don't, I don't know what to think. It's like, you did, you clearly, in the letter, it clearly states, that's the thing, is like, you can't even be like, hey, I'm going to defend what we said in this letter because it clearly states that we were in support of further support for Ukraine. And also pairing that with the conditions of diplomacy and diplo- diplomatic efforts. That's non-controversial. If you put that out to the, to the majority, if you put that as a vote in the United States, 95% of people would be like, yeah, let's do that. Let's pair aid with the call for diversity. Or uh, diversity, excuse me. That's what, they, that's what they want. Like, hey, there's more trans people in Ukraine, then it'd be fine. No. Um, the call for diplomacy. And that's what most people want. But that's not what we're going to get. We're going to get progressives apologizing for seeking diplomacy. That's the world we live in. And... Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for an end of the funding. I mean, I will, I will, and I'll say this. I was going to pull out my ballot. I'm going to do this before uh, maybe on the next show and go through like what a, what I would consider a politically homeless ballot to look like. And I was listening to the bit, and I looked at like local debates on local news. I found them on YouTube. And uh, one of the guys who's kind of an election denier, to be honest with you, um, who has changed his tune on that a little bit, but we were talking the the the, the woman who was running against him. Neither one of them were incumbents. Um, was a state senator and. Had nothing to say, nothing remarkable to say whatsoever. It was like you just could have. I could have. I could have predicted everything she had to say. And this guy was like, "Hey, I think we should still keep funding Ukraine, but I think it needs oversight." I'm like, "I'm voting for that guy. I'm voting for that guy. I want that guy in Congress, and he's probably going to win. He's probably going to win." His name was like Ackland or some shit. I don't even know. Um, but because he said, "Hey, hey, we need we need oversight. I don't think we should stop helping, but we need, at least at least needs oversight." 
and we need to live within our means. We can't keep spending money like this and blowing it all in Ukraine when we have people that don't even have fucking fresh water. Yeah, clean water. I mean, come on. It's like I got my vote on that one topic, and that, I'm not the only American that feels that way. So, there we go. Let's move it on. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Guys, here's the deal. Element is absolutely essential. It's getting cooler. It's cooling off. No matter where you're at, even if you're in fucking Texas, it's cooling off a little bit. All right? And you know what happens when it starts to get a little bit cooler? You don't think about water as much. You don't think about your hydration as much. And that means when you do decide to hydrate, it needs to be as efficient, as impactful as possible. We know this. Underhydrated. Especially if you're out there sweating and working and moving, right? You got New Year's coming up. You're going to have a lot of cravings. You're going to have a lot of challenges through the holidays. And one thing that will help you is Element. L-M-N-T. Element magnesium, salt, electrolytes, no sugar. Helps you curb cravings. Keeps you hydrated. And uh, make sure that you just drink more water. If you mix up an Element or two every day, I usually do about two a day. And a big thing, big like a Nalgene bottle or preferably something that's glass or made of uh, stainless steel like in a Yeti. If you want to go that route, it's better because, you know, plastic is trash. Um, but do that, right? Mix that up. Feel that out. And if you if you make that every day, you're going to drink more water. Guaranteed. First thing in the morning, boom, get your element. Get your grapefruit. Get your watermelon. Get your citrus. Whatever it is that you like. Whatever your jam is. Mix up your analogy. Why, maybe while you're making your coffee. I know you like coffee in the first thing in the morning. I know we probably shouldn't drink. You know, Andrew Huberman says we shouldn't drink coffee for the first hour, hour and a half of the day. But we're not, I'm not there yet. We ain't there yet as a culture. What I do do is while I'm drinking my cold brew in the morning, I make up my element. I put it in a jar. Got a glass, big-ass glass jar. I think it was a, used to be a coconut oil jar. I love that jar. Throw a little bit of ice in there, not too much ice. Hit it with the element. I put my spring water in there. I shake it up. I shake it up. I shake it up. I drink that shit. I feel better. I feel good. I feel strong. I feel hydrated. Okay? And... When, you, when, when, when Rob Wolf puts his heart and soul into something, it's going to be good for you. Guaranteed. There's no question. There's no question. The guy's revolutionized nutrition and has, has been the change he wanted to see in the world. And he revolutionized it by going backwards, oddly enough. Crazy, I know. Real food is weird, right? Real, real food, oddly enough, is better for you. And one thing that's lacking in our traditional diet today is... Salt, baby. I know, I know, I know. Maybe the FDA was wrong. Maybe the food pyramid wasn't correct. Maybe you've been fucking lied to. But you know what? We're here for you now. We're here for you. Element is here for you. You feel me? So go to drinkelement.com slash wanders. Link is in the show notes. And with your order, you're going to get a free variety pack. So order some grapefruit, order some watermelon. Those are my two favorites. Grapefruit right now is my jam. So get that box of grapefruit, and you're going to get a free variety pack. You can try out all the other flavors, and next time you order, you can order those flavors. Just make sure whatever you do, whenever you go to drinkelement.com, don't use Andrew Huberman shit. You don't even use Rob Wolf stuff, okay? He's got enough element. He's fine. Drinkelement.com slash wanders. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. Links in the show note. Save it on your little uh, whatever your browser tab is. Use that to order your salty goodness. Stay moist on the inside. Oh, 
Now let's get back to the show, drinkelement.com slash wonders. Well, since I just brought up some local election stuff, I wanted to bring this up for you guys. And here's the thing. Uh, we've been ripping on neolibs for a minute and fake progressives, but as we go over here, we look at the Colorado Proposition 122. And I bring this up because this is something that would never happen under Republicans, right? You can rip on Democrats, you can rip on liberals all you want, but when it comes to something like this, which is going to be huge and impactful, I believe, uh, here in Colorado, I think that uh, this would never happen in a red state. A red state will never lead the way in this kind of innovation. So we're going to listen to this like it's a really funny video. It's like, um, it's not funny, it's a couple minutes long, but it's kind of explaining Proposition 122, and it's read by these like really funny voice actors. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's check this out. This is very much like Denver City uh, City Council <laughs> video, but we'll check it out and see what they have to say. Proposition 122, Access to Natural Psychedelic Substances. It's a citizen-initiated proposal. Among those substances are psilocybin mushrooms, also known as magic mushrooms. Proposition 122 would amend the state statutes in the following ways. By late 2024, allow the supervised use of psychedelic mushrooms by individuals aged 21 and over at licensed facilities and require the state to create a regulatory structure for the operation of these licensed facilities. So here's what my first question that pops up is, what does it require to be licensed? What does that mean? How is that used? Um, this is all, these are all real, and what does that regulatory body look like and who's going to be on it, who can be on it? These are all really important questions that I would have. But so far, it makes sense. People that, like for me and friends of mine that want to have their first experience, um, I, I know I can point people in the right direction, right? But uh, for somebody who's just like, say, you know, like say a person like my mom, like, hey, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I, maybe I want to work on some things or I, I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z, uh, just a normal-ass person, them, for them going to a place and having supervision, a safe environment, professionals, that's huge. That's huge, and that, that increases access. On top of the fact that we can maybe do some, some programs that are uh, paid for either by charity or by the state, that work with people on that have uh, severe mental illness, maybe people that are homeless. Like it would be really interesting to maybe help get people back into uh, um, a more stable form of living. And I think that this is a great step in that direction. It also allows the state to expand the types of substances that may be used in licensed facilities to include the use of additional plant-based psychedelic substances. Dimethyltryptamine. So like plant-based would be, so you have DMT, uh, Ibogaine, um, ayahuasca, which ayahuasca is a chacuna plant and uh, which is heavy in DMT and then a 5-MEO inhibitor or a MEO inhibitor in uh, the actual ayahuasca vine. Um, of course, psilocybin mushrooms. That's going to leave out LSD. That's going to leave out ketamine. That's going to leave out um, MDMA, which those are all things I think that should be included in part of this. But then again, I think we can get if – if we just stick to plant-based, it's a great place to start to show, to show kind of some kind of uh, larger-scale – results of a program like this. And I think Denver, Colorado in general has just led the way in a lot of this, and I think it's been really impressive. Ibogaine, or mescaline, starting mescaline in too, 2026. Yeah. Decriminalize the personal possession, growing, sharing, and use, but not the sale of five natural psychedelic substances by individuals aged 21 and over. Allow local governments to regulate the time, place, and manner of operation of these facilities while prohibiting local governments from banning licensed facilities, services, and use of natural psychedelic substances. 
and establish penalties for individuals under the age of 21 for possessing, using, or transporting natural psychedelic substances and for individuals aged 21 and over who allow underage access to these substances. Should be doing psychedelics if you're under 21. I believe that. I also feel that way about weed. If you got kids out there that are under 21, actually under 25 really, that are using uh, psychedelic like neuro hacking <laughs> compounds in any way, um, whether that be Adderall or weed or mushrooms, I think that that's something you need to wait till you're in your 20s to do. I have a firm belief in that. I'm, I'm set in that. Um, I didn't start doing this stuff until I was like after I was 26. I think when I did mushrooms for the first time. So there's no hurry. You got plenty of life to do this kind of stuff. And I think that that's that 21 year old, like, and that needs to be firm and enforced. Uh, unless there's some kind of severe behavioral issue that may be treated with psychedelics on, on, on somebody who's younger, maybe over 16, 16 to 21. Um, in rare cases where it's the lesser of, uh, I mean, it's either antipsychotics or psilocybin mushrooms. It's a let's try psilocybin first. Uh, but then again, you know, we got to keep that in mind. That's that. Those are those are kind of uh, outlier cases. But generally speaking, 21, I think, is an appropriate age. Substances. Here then are the pros and cons for Proposition 122. Proponents of Proposition 122 say the measure provides a potentially valuable tool for meeting the mental health needs of Coloradans. Studies have shown that psychedelic mushrooms and other plant-based psychedelic substances, combined with counseling, may provide effective treatment for severe depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. The FDA has specifically found psychedelic mushrooms may offer substantial improvement in treating depression more successfully than existing therapies. Increasing access to psychedelic mushrooms and other plant-based psychedelic substances may help people who are struggling to find effective mental health treatment. Putting people in the criminal justice system for using naturally occurring substances that have potential mental health benefits does not benefit society and cost taxpayers money. That's the conservative argument. It's not benefit society and it's expensive to put people in jail for having natural substances. Mushrooms are here. Hey, man, if you believe, if you're religious, God put them here. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you need to think. They here, man. And I think it, it, one thing that it trips me out is that Christians don't embrace psychedelics. It really does trip me out. I'm like, dude, clearly psychedelics were used in the Bible. Clearly. It makes so much of that shit make so much more sense. And you guys are so scared of this because it's like, oh, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? If anything, you're, you're going to have a, a, a clear understanding of your faith that may be con- conflicting with, with, with the popular belief, but that's, that's okay. I think it's a more grounded, I mean, yeah, I've heard that so many times. Like it's just a, a different understanding of, of your faith that just is actually more individual and a little bit more pure. But hey, that's just me. Possession and use of these substances are nonviolent offenses that do not pose a public safety risk. Studies have shown that psychedelic mushrooms are not addictive and that long-term adverse health impacts are rare unlike tobacco use, which is legal. Individuals who are age 21 or older should be allowed to access these naturally occurring substances without fear of criminal penalties. Opponents to Proposition 122 say there are currently no approved therapies that use psychedelic mushrooms or any other plant-based psychedelic substances, and the effects of them can vary widely from person to person depending on the dose, frequency of use, and type of substance. Minus the approved part, um, literally every pharmaceutical drug as well varies widely to person to person. The effects vary widely, but Hey, 
I mean, you say that with SSRIs, you can say that with Adderall, all kinds of shit that we've just become accustomed to, right? And the fact that it's not approved, I don't understand who, approved by who, like we're figuring that out. Does someone have the freedom to make that choice for themselves, whether or not they want to try something to see if it may help them or not? Breakthrough therapy designation does not mean that the use of psychedelic mushrooms is safe or recommended. Further, DMT, Ibogaine, and Mescaline have not received a similar designation and, specifically Ibogaine, may cause life-threatening heart conditions. Real talk, do not use Ibogaine or Iboga. Do not find that shit. I know it can be huge for addiction. Do not do that by yourself. Also, DMT. I've smoked DMT probably 40 times. Do not smoke DMT by yourself. Do not smoke 5-MeO DMT by yourself. Do not do ayahuasca by yourself. You understand me? Is everybody hearing me right now? This is not a fucking joke. If this shit's going to be around, you got to have a responsibility. Do not do that shit by yourself. You can die. You can choke on your own vomit. I know of two people who have lost limbs doing Ibogaine by themselves because it incapacitates you and they lay on their fucking limbs so it cuts off circulation and they fucking lose a leg or an arm. Okay? Real shit. Do not do mushrooms when you have to function. These are, these are, be a fucking grown up with this shit. Like, don't do mushrooms and drive. Don't do mushrooms if you're feeling like you might want to be suicidal or some crazy shit like that, right? Like, you need, if you need help, the, the, if you have that, if you have that going on with you, go seek professionals and you'll be able to find that here. That's going to be a beautiful thing. But if you abuse this outside of that, you mean a lot of trouble. It can be really bad for everybody, especially advocates of of, of, of furthering the understanding and use uh, of these really powerful substances that are just that can be so fucking beautiful, man. Just you just got to do it right. You got to do it right. Proposing a regulatory framework for the use of these substances suggests that they offer legitimate treatment before they have received federal approval, potentially putting people's health and public safety at risk. Under the guise of healthcare, Proposition 122 legalizes drugs that have been illegal for over 50 years and forces local communities to allow use of these substances. It also provides broad protections for criminals by allowing convictions to be wiped from their records. This is like the most ridiculous argument ever. By decriminalizing personal use, the black market for these drugs may expand and provide access to youth or ex- no. expose people to psychedelic substances that are tainted with other drugs. This may create additional burdens on local governments which, under the measure, have limited say on what is allowed in their communities. All right, so that's the pros. That's the arguments for and against in a very um, Denver City Council way of putting that together. <laughs> so cute. That's adorable. Very quaint. But yeah, I'm really excited about this. I'm curious to see what's going to go. Uh, something that I would even like be considered, you know, I would even consider, if there was a process that said, hey, you could be a facilitator for uh, psychedelic experiences and yada, 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 um, without being a therapist, like, I would love that. If there was another pipeline, it took a year of, of learning, like, I would fucking love that. Um, truth be told, I've done it before. <laughs> so, and, I, and I, it's been incredible. I mean, one of the most impactful um, experiences of my life is not even actually doing what anybody's doing, is just sitting with someone through that experience and, and it's like, there's a feeling, there's a feeling whenever someone's like really going through some shit, but you know, they're going to be okay. Right. Like they're in the middle of it, but you know, as an objective observer, you can sit observer and sit and um, watch them and just be like, I mean, you're just there to, uh, you're kind of a babysitter, right? It's like, you need water, you need whatever. It's just, it's just a safe environment. You're kind of holding the space. Like 
there's something like I'm like getting emotional thinking about it. Like there's something really like I've heard. I don't know, maybe parents feel this way. I don't I haven't, I'm not there yet, but like I've heard people cry in such a deep way that, you know, it's like shifting who they are as a person. Um, whether that be, you know, we're not even going into the details of, of what that was that, that brought that on, but like it's heavy and, and it's just like beautiful is the only word I can really even come up with. Like there's a beauty to that kind of personal self transformation that I think we get so caught up in like the, should this be legal and this and that and the drugs and criminals and all it's like you, you, the whole, that whole fucking vibe is, I mean, I know it sounds like a fucking hippie right now, but like that whole vibe it pollutes like what, what this stuff really is, you know? And it's kind of bigger and older than like this fucking bullshit. And part of the the thing that happened that I think that made these things illegal in the first place is that you kind of see through all that bullshit. And it's, um, it's special for sure. So I'm excited. I hope it, I, 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 the regulation piece, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to it for, to be sure about the way that it's gonna be regulated. I'm really curious about that, but I'm, I'm excited. I think, um, one thing we got, yeah, they're, they're, they have uh, mescaline on here, excluding peyote, and that that should be the case. Like uh, the peyote plant is uh, that cactus should be ex- exclusively reserved for and protected for Native Americans. We can get it from San Pedro. San Pedro cactus is everywhere; has mescaline in it. We can process that same way they did in the uh, in the mountain in the Andes Mountains of Peru. They use a San Pedro cactus. The peyote plant is for the for Native American indigenous people of the Americas. It should be reserved and protected for them. If your gringo hands get on that shit without permission from somebody who is is a is a respected person in that community, you're a fucking asshole. Straight up. I'm not playing games. That is their medicine. That is their plant. That is their culture. And if you think you want to get your little fucking white hands on that shit and go out there and be like, oh, look, I did peyote. Yeah, I'm so fucking uh, fuck you, dude. That's, and I'm not this is not a joke. Same thing goes with the um with the Sonoran Desert Toad. That is where 5-MeO DMT comes from. If you're not getting that stuff with permission, if you're out there, if you're like, there's, you know, if you're harming that, if you're harming the toad, you're a piece of shit. There's a way to go about this, and that ain't the way. Like, one thing that's really frustrated me about, like, the psychedelic renaissance is, like, you see the douchiest fucking assholes that are like, oh, I'm so fucking spiritual and woke now, bro. Like, let's heart-to-heart hug, and yeah, and, like, uh, it's like they live in this fucking ridiculous reality that doesn't that is so unrelatable and so like it's you you just checked yourself out of doing anything meaningful in, in this world now maybe and that's you know what it's harmless that's what you want to do but the thing that really drives me fucking nuts if we can get into this is like when somebody pretends they're better than you for that when all you've done is exploited some indigenous teachings and 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 and, and put them into your fucking commercialized world and think that you're somebody fucking special no you're not you're not you treat these things with respect and go about it the right way. You can have a conversation, right? Mushrooms are pretty plentiful. You can get those things. But when it comes to like indigenous medicines, that's for indigenous people and you only get them with permission from them. Not permission from your fucking ego. Anyways, that's <laughs> and that's how I feel about that. So let's talk a little bit about Kanye. Um... Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. So I think Lex Friedman was the person to at the, the the drinking drinking bros or whatever that was, um, or the whatever that that thing that he did that three four hour podcast. I listened to the whole thing. I found it on a different channel that somebody had, had pirated it. 
it was a little bit aggressive. And it was hard to listen to, and there was a lot going on. Um, that was hard. Now, Lex Friedman, on the other hand, Jewish man, very smart guy, good interviewer, um, very like a heartfelt guy. But Lex has got like a heartfelt vibe. I really like it. Um, really sweet dude. Uh, but this kind of this um, this interview was. This is the person that needs to be having this conversation. Now I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a mirror tomorrow. We're gonna talk about this in depth, kind of our takes on it. Um, I want to just like put some things out there before I even comment on this because I tried to comment on this with some objectivity. I have zero issues with Jewish people. Okay, the Jewish faith, in my opinion, of like the Judeo Christian, like the whole bundle of like that group of those religions. I think that, that Judaism is actually the most interesting, and it kind of is like intriguing to me. I have respect for that belief more than I do Christianity. Just putting that out there. Um, that being said, you know, I don't think that any group, if you're going to be in a group, if we're going to, if we're going to see the world in a, in a way of groups, right? White people, black people, Christians, Muslims, Jews. If we're going to look at that way, if we're going to look at the world that way, which we are, Right from all sides of the political spectrum, we can't get enough of that. We got to look at this thing and be like, "Hey, man! Like this is, we got to be able to, to treat each other with some kind of equality, right? And be critical of this type. You've got to be able to criticize. Now, the way Kanye is doing it, not well, not handling himself well here, um, not articulating himself well for somebody who's." Who's who's made his life on saying words the right way at the right speed in the right way in the right cadence and all this other shit in the right order, the way he's handling himself in the situation is not good. I'm not his doctor. I don't know what his mental situation is. I have not diagnosed him, and I'm not going to pretend that I can because I can't. I don't know. Okay, that's not my role. Anybody who says they are doing that, that's not his doctor, <laughs> right? And his doctor, I think, would be breaking all kinds of laws by doing that. Is full of shit. You don't know what his deal is. Right? I don't give a shit what Kim Kardashian says. I don't give a shit what Pete Davidson says. I don't give a shit what angry person on Twitter says. Let's look at this thing because Kanye has seen a lot more of the uh, reality of the world in a different way than you have. Right? He's been poor. He's made it. He's had to come up. He's been a mega celebrity. He's a billionaire. He's seen the dark underbelly of society in a way that most of us have not engaged with, which might make you a little fucking crazy. Right on top of being a little fucking crazy already. Now his views when it comes to people. Here's the thing: a lot of people are saying, "Well, Kanye, it's anti-Semitic." Like you hear that anti-Semitic. It's like it's the same thing as being like it's, it's racist. What he's basically being called, right? But racist against Jew, Jewish folks. And a lot of things he's saying are pretty anti-Semitic, in a way, right? Now is he calling for violence? No. Is he frustrated? Clearly. Is he justified in his frustration? That's the challenging question if we really want to be objective about this. Now, if you want to get your emotions all caught up in this and you want to get your panties tangled in a bunch, that's fine. I understand. If you're a Jewish person who like feels freaked out and stressed out and, and angry at this, that is 1,000% a justifiable way of going about I can totally see that. That being said, my role in this isn't to kowtow to any one belief system, any one race, any one anything, Right? any political party, any social media company, or Kanye himself. But what I think is interesting, the most interesting thing to do, 
is to try to understand where all this is coming from. What's his deal? Why is this happening? Where's the frustration? Where's the pain? Where's the hurt? Is there any truth in what he has to say? Now, clearly, I don't think it's part of the the you know overall Judaism agenda to um, take over the world or whatever. But I can see how, right, if we're being generous here, one, I can see how people would be really outraged by this, obviously. And I can see how black folks and Native American folks, right, who get laughed out of the room when they talk about reparations would be frustrated. So let's think about oppressed populations. You have Native Americans who got completely genocided, right, in Westward Expansion, which is funny because Candace Owens doesn't like want to acknowledge that that's like reality. Ben Shapiro kind of does. And there's weird, like I'm looking on the conservatives because they're like, they're, they're head spinning right now. They don't know what the fuck to do. It's crazy. Like the people at the Daily Wire don't know what the fuck to do right now. Um, and they got nothing really. They got reservations, right? They got their whole thing. They did their thing. Uh, they got fucked. Uh, black folks in this country, they still live in like, there's there, there's just systemic issues, whether you want to call it racism or not, whatever, I would call it, it's racist in the way that they, some of these laws that are still on the books are racist, right? Like marijuana possession being illegal is racist. It was put, it was racist when it's that being a schedule one drug was racist in the way that Nixon fucking put that thing together. Right. The way Reagan approached that by putting cocaine, not a conspiracy fact, putting cocaine, turning into crack cocaine into black communities, Ronald Reagan, that fucking guy that was racist, right? That has impacts to today. Jim Crow laws still have systemic impacts in our communities today. Right. And I don't say black communities, I say our communities because we're all one fucking people. If you don't believe that, we have another disagreement. Okay? So, Native Americans get fucked on reservations. Murder rates are through the roof. Drug rates are high. Kidnapping's high. Poverty is out of, out of the control. No one gives a fuck. Right? Black communities, we just accept that they're more violent. There's fathers running in the home. People don't have any money. Gangs run around. And it's like, and the, and the liberals will be like, yeah, it's not happening. And then conservatives will be like, black on black crime, you know? And it's like, it's insane. The whole thing is, 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 is heavy and insane. So you look at this and it's like, okay, but then you get laughed in the room and say, hey, if I said, hey, you know what? Actually, uh, Oklahoma belongs to Native Americans now, right? And I would say, hey, you know what? After all of this, instead of we, we, we didn't give the black folks after slavery, slavery 40 acres and a mule. If I could go back and change one thing about American history, I would have given the former slaves their 40 acres and their fucking mule. And you know what that would have turned into? Generational wealth for black folks who have never had the opportunity to really have that and never had the time. You'll say, well, Connor, their slavery's been over for blah, blah, blah. And, uh, fucking, and fucking Jim Crow ended in 196, whatever. It's like, no, generational wealth happens over time, right? Talk about the Waltons. When do they start making their money, right? Like, if it goes back, old money is old as fuck, Right? So black folks never had a chance. Black Wall Street got burned to the ground over false accusations of like looking at a white woman the wrong way, right? That was real old money being made by black folks that would have had a a, a downstream effect going forward. Black folks, when they owned land, oftentimes got it taken away. The opportunity for black folks to create generational wealth in this country has been fucking hamstrung over and over again. 
And these folks get laughed out of the fucking room when they talk about reparations, right? So if I said now, Native Americans, same deal. Oklahoma now belongs to Native Americans. You guys do with it what you want. And I say maybe North and South Carolina belong to black folks now. It's a black state, right? It's just Carolina. And you may say, hey, Connor, well, people live in Oklahoma that aren't Native American. And and, and white people live in North and South Carolina. I say, yeah. And people lived where Israel is now before Israel was there. But after, after World War II, Jews got a country and are treated quite different in the United States, particularly, which, by the way, wasn't the one that perpetuated that genocide, right? For the most part, had no idea what was even going on until it was discovered when the war was turned. So you can look at that and be very generous to Kanye, which I know is hard to do for people who get triggered by this, and say, I maybe can understand why black folks might have an issue looking at the way they're treated versus the way that they see Jewish folks treated in the United States or in general. Any Jewish person, Jewish, I think you have one Jewish grandparent, you can go have citizenship in, in Israel. And you may think, wow, there must be like a bunch of land in Israel where people can just, must just, you can just go, whatever. It's like, no, people lived there before, and now they, you know, it may or may not be apartheid, you know. But also Israel thinks that they, you know, and, and, and the, this Israel lobby, right, which de facto Jewish folks, think they have the right to infringe upon our First Amendment with these anti-BDS laws. So you may have to swear an oath to not support, you know, um, boycotting Israel <laughs> to get a job as a teacher at a university because of what the Israel lobby has done. Now, you don't see a lot of conservatives speaking up about that infringement on free speech, right? Which is where you may get into say, hey, maybe some of these guys, some of these Christians are Christian Zionists, right? Which is very interesting. You say, well, Zionism is a dog whistle for anti-Semitism. I said all my qualifiers, right? Generally speaking, I think ethnostates are kind of a bad idea. I think it's a slippery slope, generally speaking. But if we're going to keep all things being equal, there's atrocities that happened, right? Atrocities that happened in our nation's history. And if we want to hold all atrocities being equal, all genocides, all tragedies in that uh, at that scale being equal, then let's give Oklahoma at least, maybe Montana, half of Montana, I don't know, to Native Americans. It's like a Native American Israel. Maybe we can give South and North Carolina to all black folks, right? And it seems like we're going to get into some of the, let's see, I think we just get into the Kanye West thing. But I think what I'm saying here is I could see where there would be some frustration, especially as an artist, right? Especially as an artist. Um, so let's get into it. Now what I'm calling for the industry is I'm, I'm calling I'm calling the industry out and saying like, hey, it just so happens that there's been times where I had my lawyer was Jewish, my regulator was Jewish, but like like eight people that basically would collude and talk without me were in groups saying, okay, this is what the tour is going to be. This is his next house. And they were making all these decisions and they're making all this money. And at the end, I was like, I ended my tour and I don't have the money. And it just so happens that that's the case, that what they were. But what I'm saying is, if everyone can say, 
hey, you can't point out this fact or we're going to say you're anti-Semitic and we're going to call you Hitler. I feel that there has to be at least 1% of safeguarding the ability to screw the artist based on saying it's anti-Semitic by pointing out that they just so happen to all be uh, Jewish. And I I don't think that's anti-Semitism. I just think that's, hey, this is another thing. Like, okay, the Kardashians, when you hear that, do you think male or do you think female? You think female. You get what I'm saying? You think this is the realities. This is why rap works, right? They're going to make an anti-women thing in a a second, right? And it's going to say, well, if you point out that these five women, six women are having a meeting on where the Christmas party is and none of the ball players or rappers that they have babies with have any say so. So that Christmas happened at Courtney's house all eight years when I was there and it never happened at anyone else's black family house. Right. If I'm the one that pointed it out, they just don't have they, they don't have their oh, your anti-Semitic word to say, shut the fuck up. Yeah, because this is the way it runs, and this is the way we want to do if it. If you say right? that though that women are silencing the black voice, yes, you're gonna get the same response. But especially if it historically but resonates, what about the fact that it's true? When you talk in groups, that breeds hate. When you talk about individuals, it solves problems. And this, you're in en- engineering. Okay, but this is something I pointed out on Pierce. I said, if a black person gets pulled over with a car and it's three other people in the car, they're also going to jail. They're not going to single them out. They're going to say, you guys are all in collusion. I just described collusion five times in this interview. And you keep on going back to this is like 1930. This is like this. This is like that. What I'm saying is, look, I want to work with you as an engineer to free my people. Can we start as a being with engineer opportunities right here? I, I am sorry to the people who had to be hurt and affected by that. Now we are here and I'm looking to solve it. But what happens is every time if I talk to any of these business people one by one, because mind you, I didn't get to the tweet by not having a conversation. I had the conversations beforehand before I got to the tweet. Now we're going to take it to the stage. Now we're on the world stage, right? And you saw Ari Emanuel do exactly the kind of thing that I was saying had been done behind closed doors. Now he's doing it in open doors. They told Candace Owens, I couldn't be on the Daily Wire. Like, you can't even explain. Think about that. They told Candace Owens that he can't be on the Daily Wire. Now, I want to see Shapiro have this conversation. I would love to see that. And you're hearing, like, this isn't easy, easily sound, but, like, cut, cut up. So I'm just, like, playing more of the full thing here. But they told him that, right? So let's keep going. Explain yourself. And we don't care of how you got to that point either. And that's fucked up. They told Candace you can't be on Daily Wire. Is that Wire? even about? Yes, she did. That's what they said. And you know what? And you can have my voice raised or lower. I'm going to do it lower, right? Because what's happening to me by, I put it in your words, the media <laughs> is saying, not only 
Can you not explain yourself? We don't care how you got to that point. You need to apologize and you can't explain. And that's the end of the story. So just apologize so we can have Mel Gibson do some more films. Is exactly what Ari Emanuel was saying. No one is looking to change the problem that led so many people to that same level of frustration. And I just so happen to be the one that's not going to back up on it until this changes. Because you know what? I'm sorry I had a sleepy text. I'm sorry I wrote. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry that I I put uh that I was uh five twelve or five eleven on. I will leave that alone there. But here's what he's saying. That the only way out of this for him is to apologize, sweep it under the rug, move on. But it doesn't address the frustration that got him and other people to the point. And there's a lot of people that agree with him, guys. Let's just be, put this out there. That's why it matters. It's why it matters to break down white supremacy. And why, why, why it matters to just stay calm, okay, and look at this stuff and think through it, Okay. What he's saying is there's no one addressing the frustration. Now, here's the thing. He said that he had a Jewish lawyer, a Jewish record label, Jewish, uh, you know, all these folks around him, right? They were all Jewish. And what Lex is saying, justifiably, is like you should treat all those like individuals. Even if he would have been like, this person fucked me, this person fucked me, that person, this person, and they were all Jewish, <laughs> it was he would still be called Hitler, anti-Semite, whatever, right? Which I think is un- inappropriate. Right, because there is something to be said for like here's what I think, and you see this in what he's going going for here. And I, do I think he's going about it the right right way? Absolutely not. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is, it seems like, and I agree with him in this point, right? Is that he thinks that black entertainers, right, black performers, black talent out there in the world, that money, that that status, that growth, that should stay in the black community. And I agree with that. I think if you are a record label that is representing a bunch of rappers, right? The representation should probably be black. And that may be, hey, that's not the most. I don't care. I don't care. I don't call it affirmative act. Call it whatever the fuck you want to call it. I think that money should stay in the black community. But that's not the way it works. And we know that artists have been exploited. He said this on the drinking, whatever, the other podcast. was like, you have this situation where you got all these people, nickel and diamond, and taking a little bit, little bit, little bit, sucking somebody dry, and then Stevie Wonder's kids got to get a job. Right? Should that ever be the case? But who owns the library? Who owns this? Like, these record labels have been fucking people over for so long. Fucking artists over. And it takes somebody with that's, that's a little bit crazy with the amount of leverage that he has, as that Kanye has, however many eleven billion dollars, whatever he has, right? We're just say something. Somebody who's smaller who still relies on that record label, that system, can't say shit. So we know that's unjust. And we know that money gets sucked out of the black community from black entertainers and goes elsewhere, right? And yeah, like he said, it just so happens that these group of people all seem to be Jewish. So he projects that onto the Jewish people. Do I think that's appropriate? No. But what I do see is that within Judaism and and the Jewish culture, it seems to me from the outside looking in, that it's very tight knit, right? Like for example, um, a lot of Jewish moms, it seems, 
from what I've seen, the stereotype, of course, but like want someone, want their sons and daughters to marry a nice Jewish boy or girl, right? Marry a nice Jewish boy. You see that a lot. It's like a trope. Now imagine my mom being like, find a nice white girl to date. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like a nice white Christian girl that fits with our, it's like, what? That'd be fucking weird. Right? And I think there's something to be said for that. Like the Jewish community is very tight knit. And that comes from, it seems, centuries of being persecuted as in a mechanism to, for safety. And I think that's, that's, that actually is one of the beautiful things about the Jewish community. But just like everything else, there's going to be criticism brought because of that, right? Where it feels like collusion or it feels like leaving people out or bypassing certain people that may be more qualified because they're not Jewish, right? And that tight-knitness ends up whenever you're in a situation where, yeah, in the 40s, in Germany, in Europe, that was a scary time to be Jewish. But in my lifetime, and since then, what I've seen from the Jewish community is nothing but thriving success. Not that they should be punished for that. But when you look at all the major record labels, all the media outlets, all these companies are owned by Jewish folks, that makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit. And that's not because they're Jewish. It's because they have, they're have they of one kind of belief system, right? So if it was all Christians, I'd be like, raise my eyebrows a little bit. If it was all black folks, if it's all white folks, like all these things, like all these things if it was all of one type of something, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like I said, it has nothing to do with Judaism. It has to do with like homogenous groups of people with that much power, right? But then also... If you were to criticize these people, this group of powerful people, and that's not all Jewish people, I know. I'm going to get fucking dragged for this. I know it. I just can't. I'm trying. I'm trying to articulate this in the way that is as accurate to my actual thoughts about this as possible. If you can't criticize, can we, can we accept the fact here? I'm struggling here. But if you can accept the fact here that there are several powerful Jewish folks, Right? That are living in that, 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 that have a lot of say in how things go in this country, right? We all agree to that. Okay. Being curious about that and asking questions about that, not in the way that Kanye is doing it, but being curious about that and asking questions about that is not anti Semitic. In the same way that I, I criticize and am, and am concerned at the amount of leverage that Christians have on our federal government. Right, especially evangelical Christians. We have to always couch out to them, even with like Obama had to have Biden to kind of make those people feel comfortable. Trump had Pence to make those people feel comfortable. It's like we always have to couch out to evangelical fuckheads. I don't like doing that. Right? I don't think it's appropriate. And we have to cuck to Israel too for some goddamn reason. Right? That they have a higher standard of living than we do, but we have to fund their iron dome. You know, and, and, and Ben Shapiro will defend that as a conservative, which is odd to me that you're that several billion dollars a year going to Israel makes sense to you. He's like, well, that's because we're funding defensive weapons because if we didn't fund their defensive weapons, they would then use offensive weapons. So what we're doing is bribing Israel with the Iron Dome that we pay for with our taxpayer dollars. We're bribing Israel to not do war crimes. That's the defense, right? Now, for me asking that question, as a, as a non-Jew... I will be called anti-Semitic. If you're Katie Halper and you say something about apartheid Israel, you're called a self-hating Jew, right? 
So when these words get used so much for asking valid questions, they lose their meaning in the same way that calling everyone racist makes no one racist, right? What makes it, it waters down that term to where it doesn't mean what you want it to mean and it loses its fervor. So we got to keep this stuff in mind. Can we ask those kind of questions without being called all kinds of crazy ass names? And can we get to the real root of what Kanye's frustration is and why at the free speech absolutist platform Daily Wire, would they not allow Kanye to come on? That's a real question, right? And I've had this thought about Daily Wire before because it really happened when they when they had their whole Harry's Razor thing. They came out with like Harry's the, the Harry's Razor dropped them because they didn't really agree with their beliefs, and then they came out with their own razor, which they didn't even innovate like make a better razor. This is the same shitty product, which Harry's Razors are shitty products. They didn't say, hey, here's a better razor. For X, Y, and Z reason, it's just like it's a comp- here's a company that agrees with your fucking biases, so you should buy our razor instead of that razor. It's still shit. You just you just repackage the same shit, which I thought was so fucking dumb and a wasted opportunity. But then I thought, well, okay, so if it's if it's if, if a company should only make financial decisions based on finances and not about beliefs, then in that case. If I say, hey, Daily Wire, I want you to bring my show on to your network, it's going to make you money. It's going to make me money. We're both going to financially benefit from that. Caveat being, I get to say what I think, feel, and believe. Right? I get to do my thing. But I get to work. I'm I'm an employee of the Daily Wire, but I get to say my beliefs and do my thing. Right? That means being pro-choice. means being relatively, you know, pro-Second Amendment, whatever it is. These things that I care about and, 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 and try to have a rational mind about. I want to do that, but I'm going to do it at Daily Wire. Politically Homeless is now a Daily Wire show, right? I would do that. But they, it doesn't matter that they would make money, that it would be good for their network, right? That having a dissenting voice might actually show a little bit more integrity on their part. They wouldn't do that because of ideology. They do not want a platform and a voice that rationally articulates ideas that they disagree with. Because they couldn't then straw man constantly, right? So they are doing the exact same thing that they're that they're that they're accusing Harry's razors of doing. Because it's not about finances, right? It's not about content quality. It's about ideology. So we see right now the hypocrisy of the Daily Wire, right? Through that little hypothetical and this with Kanye when it's like, well, Hey, people have ideas. Are you going to be the thought police or is the answer to that more ideas in an actual conversation, which you've been endorsing for ever, but only when it's convenient. So silencing Ben Shapiro at a college because people don't want to see him and the radical left gets all mad. That's, that's one thing, but having Kanye West on to have a, a challenging conversation. I don't know. Something we're thinking about. Now, moving on to the next segment we're going to talk about here. We're going in it pretty long, longer than I thought we were going to. Yep. But the baby doesn't have it. You know, so someone with the knowledge then feeds the uh, baby the water. But it's important that those with the knowledge teach the baby how to find the water themselves. And... The business people that I've been dealing with have been keeping the baby sick by not sharing the information and the knowledge with inside of those contracts. My people are sick. If I load up Apple Music right now 
and I play the top songs in the rap chart, I would tell you my people are sick. If I go to the restaurants in Opportunity Zones and we look at the calorie rating and the cholesterol, I would tell you that my people are sick. If we look at the obesity rate, uh, if you go to just uh, a, a restaurant somewhere in, in middle America, Denny's or something, I went to Denny's the other day, you will see that my people are sick. And my people meaning all people, right? But black people are very influential to all people. So, right, if so, if the media picks uh, an overweight black woman and says this is body goals, then the media are influencing my people to stay sick. And it just so happens that that night, I was so frustrated after 20 years that I had to call it out in one tweet that now, even if I say, hey, okay, I was frustrated for these reasons, now it's not good enough. You've literally tried to make me re-apologize 10 times in this meeting, re-say this, re-say that, but it doesn't change the fact that my people are sick and I'm the only person in my position that will say that my people are sick. Today, not 30 years ago, not 60 years, my people are sick today. 50% of my people's deaths are abortion today. My people don't have the opportunities today, even to the point that because if J.P. Morgan had been nice to me and if Alex Klein and STEM player had been fair to me, different things, then I wouldn't even point it out that we don't have any black, we have two black engineers. So I have to have a responsibility, obviously to all people, but specifically to my tribe, because tribes, tribes move. You know, tribalism is real with black people to separate the brightest from the tribe or to separate the leaders. It is factual that the CIA removed the leaders from the black community, put crack in the communities, put guns in the communities and locked up all the leaders. That's absolutely 100% true. What you just said there, right? I hear that. Right, hear that. He's talking about his DEFCON 3 tweet, right? That's the only kind of reference to the Jews or Jew media or any of that kind of stuff in this. But hear what he's saying. Right now, no, understand that he's probably bipolar and manic. But listen, this is this is a better representation, in my opinion, of where it's coming from. Do we need to be generous? He's a celebrity. No one's going to give him sympathy. We don't need sympathy here, but we need to understand if there's something here that's worth listening to. And called him gangly, right? Locked up all the leaders, locked up all the fathers. Now, 72% of black mothers are raising children by themselves. This is agenda like a Tuskegee experiment set on my people, right? And what I'm calling out for the black people in entertainment is, what are we doing? We have to collude. And if we don't collude, because even if I said, hey, I'd like to make a company that's all black, right? Is that okay for me to say? Is that okay for me to say? Or is that anti-Semitic? See, if I hadn't crossed the line so far, then that would have sounded anti-Semitic. Now I've stretched a bit. So now we can go to, okay, let's make an all-black company. But that would have been anti-Semitic. Just that concept. Because you could word that in a different way that would sound anti-Semitic. I don't know, man. I have to No, be no, listen. What, if, you were, if I said I didn't want to have the Jewish people in the company, would that be anti-Semitic? It would sound like it, right? You'd say I'm from 1930s, right? Yeah. But for me as a tribe to say, no, I want an all-black company, 
right? I'm generally against that kind of thing, but you first of all, you have the right to do whatever the hell you want. This is well, what I'm saying is that's what I feel may need to happen for my people to have power again, because when my people have been left under the media's control, we've been made sick. We've been allowed to be sick. We've been promote, and we're promoting sickness. I think. So I wanted to get into that. That's yeah. I mean, I think when we look at that there. It's there's something in that, right? If you hear that, there's something in that where you're like, I. It makes sense, you know. It's like the way he's going about it is so fucking stupid, it's so bad. But at the same time, and I like Kanye's music, but he's, he is kind of a genius, and he is a little bit. I mean, you have to. It's like the, you don't get there, right? You don't get there. I've seen his shows, I've seen a couple of his shows. They're they're weird, but there's something in them that's like. Damn. And so when it comes to that, it's like maybe he did have to like stretch it out so far and then make an all black company. I think he should make an all black company. And I think he's right about the way the black community is portrayed, the way that, like, say that, that stat by itself, right? Like 72% of mothers are single mothers in the black community. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. You know? And if you contrast like hip hop with like country music, yeah, you get like beer and trucks and fucking bitches and, and country music in its own way, right? The same way you get like and guns too, and you get. But the, the, you also get it balanced out with like, you know, I fell in love with you and we had babies and it was great. Like you get that kind of shit, right? And you don't get that in the like. And there's something about that cultural ex- manifestation, right? Not that it's like it shouldn't exist. It's good shit. It's fun to listen to. You know, I like ASAP Ferg as best as much as the next motherfucker, but like. It seems like that's missing in the black community in a certain way, and I think Kanye's calling that out, but he's doing it in a way that is so frustrating to listen to, right? The way he's looking at his, the way the CIA fucked the black community in the Reagan years. I mean, the way the FBI killed Martin Luther King. Like, this is fucked up. The leaders in these communities that were bringing, it's like there was a, a calculated effort to make sure that the black community wasn't healthy. Right? And he's fucking pissed. And he's like, yeah, maybe I should make an all-black company. And he's like, well, I don't... And he, even Lex is like that. But it's like, how many companies... How many companies are, like, mostly Jewish? You know what I mean? How many companies are... Or the heads of companies are mostly Jewish? If not all Jewish? And how many companies are in the same vein, but all-black or mostly black? I think what he wants is the the black community to take on, like he was talking about the secrets and the the business, the way business works. He, I think he wants the black community to take on that, like we protect our own, right? Finally, we protect our own the same way the Jewish community does. I think that's what he's trying to get at, and I've heard him say that in a few ways. And I think that that, at the end of the day, is is would be good. For the black community, you know, as somebody who's not black and not Jewish, you know, I think generally speaking, white folks don't really have to look out for one another in that way unless they, unless they're living in poverty and then they kind of do. That's where you get that kind of like that you're, you know, you're kind of white trash, white racism type of shit that you see most of that, where that, where that manifests in prisons. A lot of times that's the case too. It's like they're, then the, the, the intensity of the situation promotes tribalism. 
when I look at it, I think, man, I kind of feel wouldn't feel kind of bad for the guy. But then at the same time, it's like, can we just have a, a again? And I'm gonna say this. I'll say this for almost fucking everyone, whether or not I agree with them or not. Let's have the fucking conversation. Let's hear the person out. Whether that's Greta Thunberg or Glenn Greenwald or Alex Jones or Kanye West or Lizzo or Kim Kardashian or uh, uh, Edward Snowden, right? Like these people who, uh, it's like there's so much fucking noise around them. You can't even, like what does this person have to say and why? And can we get to something there? Can we have a productive conversation? Can we take this leader in the black community and be like, hey, man, like the way you're going about this is kind of fucked. I get where your frustration's coming with, coming from. Let's have the conversation. But no, everybody's going to call him names and it's going to be, that's is what it is. And yeah, clearly he needs a little bit of help, but what did you do? We're at, we're at, it's at 1.8 million, probably 2 million. Let's refresh this and see what, where we're at now. Yeah, over 2 million views so far. Um, so it's about to surpass Lex Friedman's 2.16 million subscribers. So we'll see guys. I'm actually going to, um, we're going to skip something to think about. I think I've given you enough to think about with the Kanye thing <laughs> today. And also that was just, it's been heavy on me for a few days. I just feel like sometimes this stuff just, it weighs on you, dude. And it's like, if you really want to think it through and like be critical about the way you're thinking about something and not just have knee jerk reactions, it's important to think about that. And I think, Maybe I articulated it okay. Maybe I didn't. Um, we'll see what you guys think. Until then, check out the Patreon. Do, uh, you know. Do I? Let's, let's change it. Let's go back to that original music there. Boom. Yeah. Patreon.com says politically homeless. Support our sponsors. Element, Cured. You know where they're at. Links in the show notes. And, um,. Let me know if you're mad at me. Let me know if you're not. Keep your head on straight. Love you guys. Bye-bye.